Well, welcome back. Last week, I uh, taught you a dangerous prayer. I want to do that again. So would you repeat out loud after me? Lord, make me more like Jesus. Now, let's pray it like we mean it. Let's do it again. Lord, make me more like Jesus. Well, that's the, uh, the big idea about in this sermon series that we started last week called Reflections. And um, in the, on, your, on your bulletin, you'll notice the image we have on the front of the little pawn piece looking into the mirror and seeing the king. And, and that's kind of the big idea that we're talking about is that we want to become reflections of Jesus Christ in, in all of our ways. And we're asking the question, so what would it look like to really do that? Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which is kind of the verse behind the series, it, it talks about the fact that we get to look into the fullness of God and we get a chance to reflect his glory in an ever-increasing way. And so that's kind of what we're asking is, Lord, how do we really increase in, in the way that we're reflecting that glory of yours to the world around us? And, and uh, last week, we, we kicked this series off with the, the idea of loving like Jesus loved. Um, Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, and the second is equally important, and that is, can you repeat it out loud? to love your neighbor as yourself. And last week, we unpacked that big idea of what it really means to love like Jesus. And, and I would encourage you, if you weren't here for that, to either uh, get the CD or go online and listen to that, because I think probably for most of us, we could learn to love a little bit more like Jesus. In fact, somebody sent me this picture this week. I just thought this was just a great image. It says, love your neighbor who doesn't look like you, think like you, love like you, speak like you, pray like you, vote like you. Love your, your neighbor, no exceptions. And I, that's exactly what it means to love like Jesus. And I, I, hope, that, I hope that you're doing that. Now, today we want to we turn a corner and we want to we talk about what it means to really live like Jesus. Uh, if you want to take your sermon outline out of your worship folder, if you track along, if you like to take notes, I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that I think are really challenging for us in this idea of just kind of living like Jesus and, and letting Him live through us. Um, and by the way, we've got in front of you in the back of the pews there, there are some Bibles that are there. If you'd like to follow along and know you're welcome to, and if you would like to take one of those Bibles home, they are our gift to you. You feel free to take one home with you. We'd love you to have one. Let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Throw that first one up on the screen for me if you would. This is from 1 Peter. He says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Now, this is just a great statement. Would you read this sentence out loud with me? He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Would you read that again? I think that's just great. Read it one more time. He is your example. And you must follow in his steps. If you're a note taker, just go ahead and underline that verse on, on your outline. Because I want you to just kind of commit that to memory. That's because that's the big idea of what we're talking about here. It says, he never sinned and he never ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Man, what would it look like for us if we lived like that and left our cases in the hands of God? Another passage of Scripture uh, that Paul writes, throw that next one up on the screen for me, from Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Read it out loud. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news 
about Christ. Now, it's just a question, but it's a great one to reflect on. When you think about kind of how you lived out your life for the last week or two or month, did you really conduct yourself in a way that was really worthy of this good news that Christ has given to us? You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. And if you've never taken that step of accepting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to that, because he offers you a brand new life. And if you have accepted him, are you letting that life be lived out through you? A few years ago, uh, up, up the road in Tulsa at the Big Splash Water Park, they were having a, a big event evening. There were about uh, 3,500 young people that were there for that. Um, and about uh, not even an hour and a half into the evening, uh, all of a sudden fights started breaking out all around the water park. And there was only one paid security guard on duty at the entire park. And he was quickly overwhelmed. And uh, he started calling the Tulsa police. And when it was all said and done, there were 30 to 40 police officers from Tulsa, they're breaking up the fights and restoring order, and finally they just shut the park down and made everybody leave. What was really crazy about that is that that particular night was an event called Waves of Worship, and it was a gathering of Christian youth groups from around the Tulsa area. Not the best advertising for the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, we, we, we need to live differently than that. We need to present Jesus Christ differently from that. And, and I tried to really camp on this, and I quickly realized last week that this is really a sermon series and not just a sermon. But let me, let me try to give you in the next few moments just some ideas. When I started asking the question, what would it look like for us to put this into practice? What would it really take for us to live like Jesus? Are you ready? You can say ouch to the ones that fit for you. Here we go. Here's the first one. Live an attractive life. Live an attractive life. I'm going to say this until you're tired of hearing me say this, but the best day in Christianity will be the day that Christians understand that mean to be holy also means to be nice. I'm going to say that to you're sick of me saying it. Because what we have to understand is that the world sees our attitude before they see anything us. And it is, it is so uh, ludicrous for us to proclaim that we have this loving Jesus inside of us and, and be sometimes the kind of people that we are in this world around us. You know, I could, I could never get this when I, when I was growing up. I mean, I grew up in, in the church of God. I'm third generation in the church of God and, and all of that. And so I've spent all my life in the church. And I, never, I could never understand when I was growing up, if this stuff we're saying is true, then why is it that the saints are the, the sourest, most mean people that I've ever been around? That doesn't make sense to me. If Jesus Christ has really done what we've said he's done, if he really is who we say he is, if we get all of this in heaven too, look at me, I just want you to hear my heart, then we ought to be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. We ought to be the most positive, the most optimistic, and the most encouraging people in all of the world. And, and somehow this whole thing has got to make its way from this head understanding about Christ to a really heart and life living out an attitude that really reflects who Jesus Christ is. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels, everywhere Jesus went, he drew a crowd. He drew a crowd. 
people wanted to be around him? Just a question. But do people want to be around you? If not, there may be a reason for that. Um, uh, Shelton Van Auken in his book, Severe Mercy, makes this quote. This is really good. Throw that up on the screen for me. He said, the best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug in their complacent consecration, when they are narrow and repressive, then Christianity dies a thousand deaths. And that is so true. Over and over again in his epistles, Paul tries to encourage the church to, to really live out this stuff that they say they believe. And, and again, a lot of times it comes out in ways that we really haven't thought of. I love what he says to the Philippian church. Throw that up on the screen for me. Paul says, well, we've got to read this out loud. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I, I love this. Do everything without complaining and arguing. How many of you wish you could just do something around your house without complaining and arguing? Yeah, you know, when we read that, we think, you know, again, this Paul's just saying, you know what? This ought to be the kind of people that we are. And when you say, Pastor Steve, where do I begin in really living this stuff out? Here's a good thought. How about an attitude check first? And just ask the question, is my demeanor and the way that I interact with people, does it really reflect the kind of Christ I want people to see? Um, I love John Christ, uh, who's a Christian comedian. He just does such a great job in really putting a spotlight on you know, some of the stuff that we do. And, and I, I think I may have showed this a couple years ago, but I just love this little video clip where he, he shows what it's like for a lot of us on Sunday morning when we pull into a church parking lot. Go ahead and play that video clip. Jesus, I am late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. <laughs> just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. I, okay, I have the fruit of the Spirit, but y'all need to move. Ooh, she is going to wear that into church. Bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Jesus, give me a miracle. I need a ram in the thicket. I love this church. It's just like come as you are. You know what I'm saying? How do I look, though? Does the jacket go with the shirt? Oh, good Lord. Guests, single parents, expected mother. Who doesn't have a parking spot these days? I have been here 27 years. I deserve respect. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Take my parking spot. She, listen, she probably needs Jesus more than me, honestly. <laughs> Use your mirror. How long does it take to back out of a... Jesus, give me strength. This is so str... Honestly, there better be coffee. There better be coffee. Y'all are gonna make me park in a handicap spot. Oh, look, there go the homeschoolers. I swear if somebody took the last jelly donut, I will. Don't make me get out of the... Oh, move hey, are you on the ministry team? Not today, okay? Oh, you're gonna drive a Lexus? Okay, I know where your treasure's at. Not in heaven. The sermon <laughs> series is what? Putting others in front of yourself. Oh, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, for heaven's sakes, move out of the road. Look at this truck. Where are you going? A church or a Trump rally? Finally found a parking <laughs> spot 15 minutes late. Oh, it is way too cold out here. But you better bring a shuttle or I will watch this service online. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody said. <laughs> okay. and just You know, when you look at that stuff, you go, oh, you know what? I, I, you have to confess, probably some of us have sounded like, not, not anybody in here, but, you know, other churches, other people, they sound like that sometimes. Well, we need to live an attractive life. Everybody, amen? You got it. Let me give you another thought. And this one is one we don't like to talk about, but, I, but we need to talk about. And that is deal wisely with things that you're tempted by. 
Deal wisely with things that you're tempted by. Oh, come on, it's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that there are some things in your life that you know that are really not godly, but you are tempted by them? Yeah, everybody but the liars. That's great. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, look at me, hear my heart, even Jesus was tempted. Go back to Luke chapter 4 and go through the whole epistle and you'll, you'll discover Jesus wrestled with temptation uh, just like we do. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews writer says Jesus was tempted in every way just like we were, but he did not sin. Now, I want you to just kind of camp on that thought. He overcame the temptation that he had, which really gives hope to us. I read this quote by Rick Warren. I just throw that, throw that up on the screen. Rick Warren said, every time you defeat a temptation, you become more like Jesus. I thought that was just such a great insight. You know, Jesus dealt with it, but he overcame it. And whenever we are able to face temptation and, 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 and overcome it, you know what? We get to be a little bit more like him. And, and we all struggle with things. In fact, throw that up on the screen from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul said, the temptations in your life, they are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Read it out loud. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, we're all going to be tempted. Now, here, here's what I've come to understand. Your temptations may not be the same as mine. And I may have temptations in my life that you may not wrestle with. But we all struggle with something along the way. And when I was processing this, I thought, you know what? Let me just kind of give you maybe a few things that might be helpful for you as you go out this week and you face some of those kinds of things. Are you ready? Here we go. Let me just give you a few thoughts. Here's the first one. Get honest about your areas of vulnerability. Best thing you can do is to get honest about what it is that you struggle with. Again, it may not be mine, it may not be somebody beside you, but it, it's yours. And the day that you get honest is the day that you're taking a step toward really being an overcomer in that. Um, I had a friend some years ago, uh, we, were, uh, we were talking and we were talking about going to lunch together and I suggested this uh, Chinese buffet that I thought was really good. And my friend said to me, I can't do that. And I said, oh, you don't like Chinese? And they said, no, I, I have found when I go to buffets, I do not make good choices. I respect that. They were talking about the fact that God had convicted them about their weight and that they were wrestling with that. And they knew, if I go to a buffet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat way more than I should. And I don't want to put myself in a position where I can just eat anything I want as much as I want as long as I want. That's probably not, that, that's being honest. And, and again, whatever it may be, you know, whatever that source of temptation, the day you admit what area that's in, it'll really help you. Let me give you another one. This one, this one hit me, and I thought, this, we need to talk about this too. And that is recognize the times that you're more vulnerable. When I was thinking about temptation and just thinking about my own life, my own journey, thinking about my conversations with people who have struggled along the way, one of the things that kind of jumped out at me was that some, we, are, we are more vulnerable at certain times than others. Now, let me kind of give you a couple ideas. For some of us, it's when we're tired. If we're out late and or we're tired, um, we don't sometimes make good decisions. Uh, we don't make good choices. And so we know that if I'm fatigued, if I'm in a place and I'm getting tired, you know what? I, I need to take care of because I'm more vulnerable in, in, in times like that. For some of us, it's when we're with certain people. Um, sometimes there are some people in our lives that we just have a hard time saying no to. And some people, when we, when we have them around us, um, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make decisions that we, we really shouldn't 
make. Uh, for some of us, it's when we go to certain places. We know if we're in those places, you know that, those times there, that's, that's not a good place. Let, let me give you another one that I, that I thought about. And we don't really talk about this much in the church, but, but we need to mention it. And that's times when we drink. You know, when I was growing up in, in the church, uh, if you took a drink of alcohol, you were going straight to hell. Unless you were taking NyQuil. It's just kind of the way it was. Now, I, I want to be honest with you. That's not biblical. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that you can't take a drink of alcohol. It doesn't say that. It does talk about not getting drunk, and it does talk about that's not a wise thing to do. But let me tell you my experience growing up. Um, I grew up in a family um, surrounded by alcohol. And I think one of the things that kept me, even as an athlete, from going down that road and drinking was I saw my family make a lot of really bad decisions. And a lot of the pain and the heartache that was caused in my family was caused because people would drink and then not make good choices. And, you know, my wife's a therapist, and for Wanda as a counselor and for me as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times we've sat with people who have really made some bad, bad decisions, and alcohol was involved. Now, I want you to hear my heart as a pastor. I love you. I'm not going to tell you you can't take a drink of alcohol. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you that. I want, that's not biblical. But I am going to tell you this. I've never really seen any good come out of it. But I've seen an awful lot of bad. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Okay. You know I love you. But there are times when we open the door for certain things, we're just opening the door to trouble that we probably don't need. Amen? Amen. Um, we need also, when we're talking about temptation, we need, we need to get assistance in our moments of vulnerability. We need to have, be able to have assistance in our moments of vulnerability. And here's what I mean by that. If, if you are struggling with a temptation, who can you call? If you're struggling with something that you know you shouldn't do, who, who, who can you call for the strength to help you through that moment? I mean, temptation doesn't last forever, so if you've got somebody you can connect with, it can really help you. In fact, I love what James says. Throw that up on the screen for me. James chapter 5, read this out loud. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. In other words, if you've got an area that you wrestle with, do you have someone that you can pick up your phone and, and, and give them a call and say, you know what, I know you love me, but I'm struggling with this right now. Would you help me that I won't go down this path? Um, I had, a, I had a, a phone call some years ago. Uh, I got a call one night from a, a, a guy who had been a, a part of a church that I had pastored some years before. He called me and he was crying. and He was saying, Pastor Steve, I've, I've really blown it. He said, I, I have a little bit of a problem gambling. And he said, I stopped at this casino. And he said, I decided to, to gamble a little bit. And he said, that little bit of gambling turned into a little bit more of gambling. And he said, and before I realized it, I, I had spent way much more money than I should have. And so I decided I have to win that money back. And so I started spending even more money to try to win that money back. He said, when I ran out of money, he said, I started charging up my, my credit card. He said, I maxed out my credit card. And he said, and I'm now way, way, way in the hole. And now I have to go home and face my wife. And this guy who was... Um, not a guy who would cry very easily, was sobbing uncontrollably. And I listened empathetically, and I counseled him, and I prayed with him, and I asked God to forgive him and help him and be with him 
when I hung up the phone, I, I, I just want you to hear my heart. When I hung up the phone, here, here, here's the thought that hit me. I wish he would have called me a few hours before. I, I wish he would have called me when he was sitting in the parking lot of the casino and said, Pastor Steve, would you pray with me? Man, I, I'm, I'm feeling like i really like to go in and gamble a little bit, but I know that gambling is something that gets a hold of me, and I know I shouldn't go down that road. Would, would you pray with me that God would give me the strength to just drive out of this parking lot and go? I, I, I wish we would have had that conversation so we wouldn't have had to have the other. Now, look at me. Hear my heart. Accountability is only as good as you are willing to be able to be honest. But if you are willing and able to be honest, accountability can do great things in helping you make good decisions in your life. Amen? Okay. Let me give you another thought. What else does it mean to, to really live like Jesus? Well, it means to be a second miler. Now, this is going to hurt a little bit. I'm going to warn you in advance. To be a second miler. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was trying to help the, this Jewish people who were becoming followers. He was trying to help them uh, understand the difference of what it meant to really be like him. And so he pushed on this idea of, of not just doing what the law required, but going above and beyond in your life to, to prove yourself as a person of worth and integrity. And one of the things that the Jews had to do is whenever a Roman soldier would stop them, and they, they would make them carry their pack for them, by law, they had to carry it a mile. And for the most part, you know, they despised the Romans, and so they would do what most of us would do. They would march off an, a mile and not one foot further, baby, and they would drop that pack and go, I did my part. And Jesus says this. He goes, and if you're required to carry somebody's pack a mile, carry it too. Which didn't make sense to them. It's kind of like somebody saying to us now that we're paying taxes, you know, once you've paid all of your taxes, if the government needs a little bit more, offer a little extra help. I don't know about you, that doesn't show up on my radar screen. But that's what Jesus is talking about. He said, you know, you know go, go the second mile with, with, with people. Go, go above and beyond. Don't just do what the law requires. He says, go above and beyond to really show that there really is something different about you. And, and again, we could talk about this all day, but let me just give you a few thoughts that hit me when I was thinking about, well, what would the second mile look like in my life and for life of some of the others? It, 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 it might look like this. It might be, you know, being going the second mile in terms of commitment, Keeping your commitments. Look at me. Do you do what you say you'll do? Or do you make promises that you don't keep? Are, are you a person that when you say you will pay someone something, you pay that? When you tell someone you will do something, do you do that? When you tell someone, are you ready? Hold on to your seat for a second. But when you tell someone you will be there at a certain time, are you there at that time? Now, here's why I say that is because a lot of times when we talk about commitments, we start getting really lax, and what we're really communicating is our word doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, I, have, I have friends, and you have friends that, you know, when they, when they say, I will be there at a certain time, they're never there at that time. They're there 15 minutes late, or they're there a half hour late, or they're there an hour late if they show up at all. Now, look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. That's disrespectful. That's not valuing people's time and attention that they're giving to you. And I just think, again, if we are people of Jesus Christ, then, then our word, look at me, our word ought to mean something. 
You shouldn't have to have a contract for me to live up to the things that I say I'll do. Does that make sense to you? Say amen. You bet. Let me give you a second one. Go the second mile with generosity. Go the second mile with generosity. I talked about the fact that we ought to be the most positive, encouraging, loving people on this planet. I think we also ought to be the most generous people on this planet. We aren't taking any of this stuff with us. Amen? We're not taking any of this stuff with us. I've been in ministry now 38 years. I've yet to do a funeral where the hearse was pulling a U-Haul. It just doesn't work that way. We leave all of this behind. All of this that we have is a gift from God. Amen? And if it is a gift from God, then maybe, maybe we ought to be generous with it like he has been generous with us. Um, one of my good friends uh, is Cliff Sanders, the head of the ministry department over at Mid-America. And uh, Cliff and I were roommates in college. And uh, this last year, uh, we've decided, we decided that we really wanted to stay connected. So we've been getting together like every other week for coffee and just kind of trying to stay in each other's lives. And, and uh, Cliff is an interesting character. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? He's just an interesting character. Uh, we, we were talking this week. It was really funny because Cliff, we, we were talking, he was talking to me about his love for sonic ice, which I don't really understand. How many of you love sonic ice? I, I, okay. Well, I guess a lot of people. I guess a lot of weird people here. I don't, I don't, I don't really get that. It's ice. It makes your drink cold. But he, he, he was talking about, you know, there's nothing like sonic ice. And I'm like, wow. I mean, he was talking about sonic ice like I talk about old girlfriends. I mean, it was just kind of a, I used to talk about old girlfriends. I mean, I used to talk about old girlfriends. Uh, but it was, it, anyway, we were talking about that. I didn't know that you could actually buy ice from Sonic. And he talks about the fact that they buy ice. From, and he said, I went to Sonic, and he said, I, I bought a bag of ice, and it's like a buck ninety-nine or something, two bucks plus with tax. And he said, and he said the little girl came out with the ice, and he said, I, I reached in my wallet, and he said, I gave her a five. And uh, he said, I thought, you know, this girl works hard. I'm just going to let her keep the five. And, um, and he handed it to her, and he said, thank you so much. And he turned to walk away, and she said, you don't want change? And he said, no, it's yours. She goes, thank you. He goes, you're welcome. And he said, I felt pretty good. And he said, I felt really good about myself. And, you know, she had a nice tip. And he's like, he said, a couple of days later, he said, I'm in the, in the house with Becky. And he said, I'm going through my wallet. And I'm going, I don't have as much money as I thought I had. And he said, I, I was looking through it. And he said, I, he said, Becky, I think I'm missing a, a bill. And he said, what do you mean? He said, I, I don't think I, I'm missing. And all of a sudden he stopped. He goes, I'm missing a 50. And all of a sudden, he said, I flashed back to that Sonic handing that girl. He said, I thought I was giving her a five for a $2. He said, I gave her a $50 bill for a two-bag dollar, bag, dollar, dollar bag of ice. And he said, and all the, he said, he said, it's no wonder her eyes got big. It's no wonder that she thanked me. And we started laughing. And now look at me. Cliff is a generous guy, but he's not that generous. <laughs> I just want to go on record. But we were cracking up, and I said, Cliff, here's the great news. I said, the great news is whenever you drive into that Sonic parking lot, they are going to be knocking each other down to get to you, buddy. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, uh. well, we, we, you may not be that generous, but we should be generous. Can I give you another one? We need to be second milers when it comes to grace. When it comes to grace. Yeah. In, in a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about forgiving like Jesus forgives. But can we just agree together? God has been very gracious with us, more gracious with us than we deserve. 
And God doesn't give us grace so that we can just be a reservoir containing that grace. He wants us to be a river of grace, letting that flow through us. Which means that we ought to be more tolerant with people, more patient with people, more forgiving with people. A guy named uh, Timothy Paul Jones, um, he and another guy co-authored a book called Proof. In the book, Timothy was talking about the fact that he and his wife adopted uh, an eight-year-old little girl. And um, he said uh, this girl had, had been a part uh, of a, another family. She had been actually adopted by another family and was with them for a few years. And it, this, for some reason, it wasn't meshing with the family, and so they dissolved the adoption. And he said, so we, we got to take, have this little girl, and they were just delighted. And uh, as, he, as he talked to the little girl, he, he, one of the things that she mentioned was the fact that she had never been to Disney World. In fact, he said it broke his heart because as he talked to her, he found out that the family that she had been a part of used to take, they would take their biological kids to Disney World but they would leave her with family so that she didn't go. And so Timothy said, I, I, I just saw a grand opportunity to help express our love. And he said, I, he, he said, I asked her, would you like to go to Disney World? And she said, oh, yeah. And so he said, I, I decided that whenever I was going to be speaking down that way in Florida, he said, I would just decide to take a family trip and we would, we would go together as a family. And he said, it happened that I was going to be speaking down that way, so we set up the trip. And he said, what I was unprepared for was about a month out from that trip, he said, our eight-year-old really began to act out. He said she became difficult. Uh, she became rude. Uh, she started lying when there was no lead to lie. He said she started demonstrating behavior that we just found really peculiar. I mean, she was not, wasn't the easiest of children, but she was certainly not like this. And, and he said it just kind of increased as, as time went on. And he said, finally, he said about three days before we were going to Florida, he said, I, I called her into the room and I put her on my lap to talk to her about something that she had just done. And he said, when she came in and she sat on my lap, he said, as soon as she sat on my lap, she looked up at me and she said, I know, I don't get to go to Disney World now, do I? He said, that thought had never entered my mind. He said, but suddenly I understood what was going on with her. She was associating the fact that she never got to go to Disney World with the fact that she wasn't a good girl. And I said, I looked at her and I said, are you a part of our family? And she said, yes. And he said, is our family going to Disney World? And she said, yes. He said, then you're going to Disney World. He said, I, I do need to talk to you about your behavior but this doesn't have anything to do with that. He said, now, full disclosure, he said, everything in me wanted to hold that over her head now that I knew that that was leverage. He said, but I knew I, I couldn't do that. And he said, I wish I could tell you that the behavior suddenly stopped, but it didn't. He said, she continued to act out. But a few days later, we left for Florida, and then we got to go to Disney World. He said, we, we spent the day, and he said, Disney World was Disney World. It's overpriced tickets and overpriced food and long lives and a lot of heat and total exhaustion. He said, but at the end of the day, we're back at our hotel, and he said, I'm tucking our eight-year-old into bed, and he, he said, so how was your first day, at, how was your first time at Disney World? And he said she was hugging her little stuffed unicorn that she had in bed. 
And he said, she sat there with it, smiling, and then she looked up and she said, I got to go to Disney World. And then he looked at it, she said, he looked, she looked at him and she said, but I didn't get to go because I was good. I got to go because I am yours. Did you hear that? I didn't get to go because I was good. I got to go because I am yours. That may be the purest definition of grace that I have ever heard. I don't know about you, but I can tell you that in my life, God has been really gracious with me. He has been more kind to me and more merciful to me than I have ever deserved. And if that's true for you, then maybe some of that grace and mercy should flow through us to other people. Maybe we ought to not just go the expected mile. Maybe we ought to go the extra mile. Amen? Let me give you one more. If you really want to live in a way that honors Christ, then be quick to own your failures. Be quick to own your failures. Throw that passage up from Proverbs, would you please? Proverbs 28, 14, read it with me, church. If you cover up your sin, you'll never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you will be kissed by mercy. I love that translation. You will be kissed by mercy. I don't know about you, but I've needed to be kissed by mercy an awful lot in my life. Now, the reason this is so important is, let's go back to the beginning. We talked about the fact that when Jesus lived his life on this planet, he did not sin. He was perfect in every way. Can I suggest to you, you and I are probably not going to live up to that. Also want you to know that nobody around you really expects you to live a perfect life. Look at me. Integrity is not being perfect. Integrity is being honest. Sometimes that's being honest about when we fail. Now, I, I, I love this. I wrote this in your notes. Put that up on the screen for me. When you can't be perfect like Jesus, then at least be humble like Jesus. Can we do a little group therapy? <laughs> I want to teach you some magic words. Words that will change your life. Words that will change your relationships. Are you ready? Repeat them out loud after me. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Please forgive me. I know that hurt. Let's do it again. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Please forgive me. I'm going to tell you, church, that what I've discovered in my journey of faith is even as a pastor, and people have a little higher expectations of me than the average person, what I've discovered is I'll never live up to those expectations. I'll never live up to being all that I need to be. But I have discovered that when I am honest and open, when I am willing to own my mistakes and failures and sins, I have found God not only willing to forgive me, I found that people are more willing to forgive me as well. Amen. So how are you doing? In your life, in your journey, are you living like Jesus? You know, when I was finishing this message and I was sitting back just kind of reading through my notes, I started shaking my head going, I don't know that I can live up to all of this. <laughs> 
And I know what I, I can't do this on my own. This stuff is more than Steve can do. I need the help of Jesus Christ. That's why I love what Paul says in Philippians when he says, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Paul says in Romans, you know what? When we've got Jesus Christ by our side, we're more than conquerors. And so today, I, I know for me to live up to this, I need, to, I need more of him. And maybe that's your prayer too. Here's what we're going to do. Rachel, come on up. Rachel's going to lead us in a song in just a second. It's, a, it's just a beautiful song that when I heard it this week, I thought, we've got we've to do this at the end. This is just a great song for us to reflect. And I just want you to spend the next few moments asking God the question, what would it mean for me to live a little more like Jesus? Whatever that may be, an attitudinal adjustment, dealing with some temptations and challenges in your life. It may mean the realization that you're not really going the second mile with people that you really need to. Or maybe there's some stuff that you know you've failed at and you've not been willing to own and you know you need to own. I don't know what God may be doing with you today. But during these next few moments, would you just open your heart to him? Uh, some of you may want to slip out and have a moment. You can kneel at the altar here if that'll help you. Some of you may want to put something on a card that you want us to pray about, and you can write that on your prayer card and hang it on the wall, and we'll be happy to pray with you this week. Some of you just may want to spend the next few moments in quiet. And just let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you. And as He does, would you just surrender your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be a reflection of you. I know I will never be perfect, but would you help me today be a little more like you. Let this be your prayer. Fathers, we come before you today. We, uh, we just openly confess that sometimes we're, we are not the full reflections of all that you are. Sometimes there are attitudes that slip in the way and distort that image. Sometimes there are addictions and habits and sins that we're susceptible to that get in the way and mar that image. Sometimes, Lord, it's just the, the very rigid way that we don't nearly dispense the kind of grace and generosity and commitment to other people that you've demonstrated to us. But Father, today we just open our hearts to you and I just pray that today that you would fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. We confess to you that we can't live these kind of lives out of our own strength. We need you. And Lord, I pray today that you would just help wipe off some of those unattractive features that we have. I pray that you would give us victory over temptation, that you would help us to be proactive and not just reactive to it all the time. I pray that you would put in us the same heart that you have towards us so that when we deal with other people, we're dealing with them like you would and not just like we would. Lord Jesus, the song we just sang, is it's our heart cry. We need you in every facet of our life to be the kind of men and women, husbands and wives, students and workers that we need to be. We live in a really dark world, a world that desperately needs your light. And we are the only light you have. So help us to shine with the fullness of your spirit. This we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen.